0: Welcome to Doing Time with Joe. I'm your host, Joe Baker, back again with another episode of Rivals. This is Rivals 5. In Rivals 4, I laid the foundation for why Chris Sr. could not stay in a relationship with his son's mother, Keisha. And that separation caused a lot of dominoes to fall. And that's what Chris wanted me to make sure that I uh, relayed to you, that how the decision that he made influenced the decision, well, the decision that he made and Keisha made influenced how Chris's life was shaped in a negative way, leading back to how the decisions that his parents made led to a lot of the decisions that he made and led him down the path that he's on. Now, one of the things that I want to make sure and emphasize In episode four, you had a situation where Chris Jr. ended up in a household with the opposition. Now, it was never made clear to me if Chris Jr. knew the circumstances behind his grandparents' death, his father's parents. I don't know if he ever knew that they were murdered by the organization that—members of the organization that he belonged to now. So I'm going to try to find out the answer to that. But as as I read this letter, I hope that you understand that Chris is trying to make sure that the picture is clear and honest. This is not something that's been edited or watered down like what you might see on TV or the news or exaggerated for that matter. Because Chris, he wanted me to make sure that you understood that even if the outcome of all of the story was negative against him, he wanted the truth to be known and told. And that's what this is all about because we don't want anybody else making the same mistakes that we make. And I applaud him for that. So with that said, let's just get into the episode, okay? The story that you are about to hear is true. The names, places, and affiliations have been changed to protect the identities of the actual participants. This is his story.
1: There's gotta be some way to stop this vicious cycle. Death to all my rivals, death to all my rivals. Success to my affiliates and all my idols. But death to all my rivals, death to all my rivals. There's gotta be some way to stop this vicious cycle. Death to all my rivals, death to all my rivals Success to my affiliates and all my idols But death to all my rivals, death to all my rivals Who killed one of ours, we kill one of yours It's a vicious cycle Money and drugs up in the mix just keeps the interest heightened It's on sight So when I catch you, clash of the titans If I can't shoot you, I'ma fight you Knuckle up but knife you Cause in my hood it's all about survival Watching my opposition through the crosshairs of a rifle Dark light it wasn't enough crap to let the light through Welcome to doing Time with Joe What's show about the rivals. 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 Rivals.
0: rivals? Dear Joe Generational crime is real The generational curse that's on my family is real The decisions that my parents made Influenced who I became And now the decisions that I'm making and Keisha, his mother, are making are influencing Chris Jr. I'm not sure how best to rectify or try to bring some good out of this other than by telling and sharing my story. And I hope that it does somebody some good to hear the truth about the lifestyle. Right now, Chris is in juvenile. Uh, I was told that he was in there for some nonviolent charges, car thefts, things like that. But I also heard that uh, he was involved in a lot of other things going on, at the shootings, robberies, and everything. If he continues on this path, we both know where he's going to end up. He's going to end up in here with us, and that's not what I wanted for him. But as I think about it, writing this letter, I don't know what it was that I was expecting for his life. Because doing the things that I do, living the life that I live, anybody in that sphere, anybody in my circle is going to be touched by it. And he's being touched by it the same way I was being touched by it when my parents were alive. Keisha and I, we rarely talk at this point, but I had to do my best and try to reach out to her to see if she could talk to Chris in a way that could put him on a straight out. So when I called her, she was reluctant to talk to me. She was angry. She was upset. She was hurt because she was out there all alone. When I met Keisha, she was a young lady. She's still got a lot of living to do, but she's been rolled hard, beat down bad. She spent the majority of her life, her childhood, her, her early adult years as a prostitute. Her name and reputation have been drugged through the mud, as you can imagine, for somebody in that life. She went to the other side of town to try to get away from that, only to... Fall in love with somebody that was on the opposite side of the lifestyle that I live. He treated her like what she always wanted, but as it always does, when you're living the life, your past catches up with you. And when he left, he left her with nothing. That's the nature of a relationship with somebody that lives the life like we do. We don't change in most cases. We just move on. There's some some rarities out there, but not many. So when I talked to her on the phone, like I said, she was angry. She was hurt. She was upset. But I asked her, would you please talk to Chris and tell him that the path that he's on is the wrong path? She told me point blank that Chris hated me. He hated me for abandoning abandoning them. I left them all alone. Even though he grew up in a household that was void of me, he still had people around him. But he had the people around him that he didn't want. But as time went on, he did what most people do. When in Rome, you do as the Romans do. He became everything that the environment presented to him. I didn't even know that he was trying his hand at being a pimp. I didn't even know he had young girls on the strip selling their bodies. This is what Keisha's telling me. This is what my son was out there doing. He was trying to find his way. I asked her, did you discourage him from doing that? She said, No. Why would I? I live the life. I'm sitting on the other end of the phone, and I know, I know, Joe, I know that the lifestyle that we chose to live is a bad one. And I know that a lot of the things that we do are wrong, the majority of them are wrong. But to hear her say, as a mother, and I don't want to have a double standard for men and women. But this is what it's going to sound like. But to hear her say as a mother she had no problem with her son selling another woman's body, it threw me, man. I don't know why it got to me like that because, you know, I've done a lot of things. And I'm, the behavior that I was exhibiting is influencing him as well. But she was right there. I don't want to sound like I'm blaming her. But I just didn't understand that no more than anybody out there can understand why somebody like me would live the lifestyle I live and influence my son. I was thrown off. But after he found no success in that, he started running the streets real tough and started robbing, carjacking, and all these things. He's got a resume a mile long, from what she told me. He was just fortunate enough, if you want to say that anyway, to not get caught for all of those things. He was just fortunate enough, think about that. He's done some of everything. She told me he's got uh, a lot of issues out there with people in the streets. He's shot people, he's robbed people, he's beaten people. But he didn't go to jail for any of those things. So me knowing how the criminal lifestyle is, I know that he's gonna think he got away with something. He's going to be emboldened by that. He thinks he's smarter than the people that are charged with making sure that the community is safe. He thinks he's smarter than the police. He thinks he's smarter than the system. We all thought like that at one time. But in his situation, I'm I'm afraid for him because I know if he comes up in this penitentiary, as a vice lord, and they find out who he is, and he runs up against me and my people, it's going to be a problem for him. And I know this, and I'm trying to do everything that I can to make sure he doesn't come this way. So Keisha, she pushes back, and she says the same thing about that she told me about him, how he felt about me. She said the same thing. She said she hated me. She said that I ruined her life. I came into her life, promised her all of these things, and didn't deliver on anything, and left her with a baby. She said, you sacrificed your life for the guys that you ran around with. You put them before me and your son. She said, we could have been a family. And I'm listening to her say that, and that's what I've always wanted, a family. And it hurt. So what that she was a prostitute? It didn't matter to me. Not when I was out there. Because I knew when I went home at night, she was all mine. She was all mine. What she did during the day was for money. What she did at night with me was out of love. But now, listening to her say that she hated me because... I left her like it. I left her and Chris Jr. like it. It hurt, man. It hurt. But I pushed back. And I told her that, you know, she's partly to blame. I did that. Yeah, I did that. And I had a hard time writing that. I didn't want to put that in this letter. I didn't. But I got to be honest. When she said the things to me to hurt me, I wanted to hurt her. I wanted to say something back to hurt her. And I did that because I was hurt. I didn't want to hear anything about me being to blame. I was young too. We both were young and stupid. And we did a lot of things that we both regret. But now it's not about us. This is about little Chris and trying to find a way to reach him. So... After the, com- well, during, the, at the end of the conversation, we both agreed that, you know, she would reach out to him, go visit him, talk to him, and that I would write him. I even agreed to put some money down to where they could leave Tennessee, go somewhere else and get a fresh start once he got out of Juvie. I was surprised when I got a letter back from him telling me that he didn't want anything from me but my death. My own son wanted me dead. I knew he was saying it out of anger and hurt. I knew that. But to read that on paper, just it shocked me. It shocked me. Because I would have never imagined that much hatred and hurt could be in somebody so young. I never imagined that, but it was. It was there. So when you're out there, people that are listening, and you're doing things that your young child can't seem to understand, remember, that they might start building up a hatred towards you that you won't be able to control when it blows up. That's another reason I'm writing it. I'm keeping it raw in this letter. But... As I continued to read his letter, I could see that he wanted a relationship with me. He just didn't know how to go about it. One minute he was talking about I wasn't shit and I was, you know what I'm saying, a poor excuse for a father. The next minute he was talking about he could remember some things that I had forgotten when, before I left when I used to play with him on the floor. How can somebody so young? He was one and a half, two years old when I left. How could somebody that young remember that? but he did, and he talked about it in a fond way. So I'm getting these mixed signals from him, but that's what happens when you're dealing with a child. They're mad at you because they're hurt, but they love you because you're their parent. Same thing about my father. So I saw history repeating itself in a different way, but it it was the same. I used to be angry at my father, mad at my father, but I loved him. And here it is all these years later. Little Chris is the same way about me. But I had to find a way to break through. I had to keep trying. So I wrote him back and I told him, I understand and I accept all of that, what you say. And I would gladly give my life if it meant that you could go in another direction with yours. But those are just words. He knew that. I was trying to say whatever I needed to say to get him to understand, don't come this way. Because I did not want what would happen to happen if he came this way. If there ever was a war between us two, the outcome would not be good for either one of us. Because if it came down to it, one of us would have to die. Think about that. Think about that for a minute, Joe. If a war happened between the two organizations and it came down to it, could you hurt your son? Would you expect your son to hurt you? I think I could. That's how polluted, this lifestyle has made my mind. It's made me not see the human, the humanity. It's made me see the ideology of what's been drilled into me, what my father said, all of this nonsense. And it makes it so hard, even when you know that you're doing the wrong thing, to do the right thing. I wish I could break this spell. I wish I could. But sometimes you don't get to walk away. And I've been doing this for so long, for so long, I don't know if I could walk away. Even if it meant me losing my son. I don't know. I don't know. So I called Keisha back a little while later, maybe a month later. And I'm talking to her, and I'm telling her what little Chris said to me in his letter. And I asked her, did she have any luck convincing him to leave Tennessee when he got out of juvie? And she said, nah, he doesn't want to go. But she still persisted. Being who she is, trying to get me to send her the money. And all I could think about is man, we're all messed up. I'm trying to give her some money to get out of town, to change her life. And she's trying to con me out of the money because that's what she does. Everything, y'all, everything about this lifestyle is polluted. It's polluted. And believing in it in any way, shape, or form it's the wrong thing to do. There's nothing good about it. It's only game. It's only hustling. It's only getting over. It's only deceit. Selfishness. A few months later, little Chris got out. He's out of juvie. Keisha threw him a party, you know. Everybody's over at the house kicking it. All the... Little brothers in his little organization, all the the girls in the organization that he belongs to. Everybody's over having a good time. I called over there to talk to him. He gets on the phone. And I I can hear him telling everybody, be quiet, y'all, be quiet. I got my dad on the phone. This is what he said to me, y'all. What's up, sperm donor? What you got going on in there? Anybody fucked you lately? This is how he's talking to me. I laughed it off, right? But I was never more crushed in my life. Never more crushed in my life. I tried to stay focused. I said, how you doing, little Chris? Now, he got me on intercom. Now, you got to keep in mind. Let me paint this picture. Everybody over there, Vice Lord right, except for Keisha, they all know who I am, I'm GD, right, I'm the opposition, and he's my son, I'm his daddy, and this is how he's talking to me, where everybody can listen, I'm trying to maintain my focus, I don't want to take the bait, I said, nah, man, how you doing, he said, I'm doing good, I'm free, I said, you free son? He said, don't call me son, I'm not your son. I said, that's what's up, little Chris. So, it took me a second to get my bearings right, because I didn't want people on that other end of the phone to hear me, this leader in the Gangster Disciples, crying. So I had to get myself together. Took a deep breath and before i said another word he said listen to him y'all <laughs> this bitch about to cry i said look here man i tell you what i'm not going to stay on the phone and let you talk to me like this right i said i'll see you when i see you he said nah he said i'll see you when i see you we hung up the phone got off the phone and now, I knew what it was. For both of us, we had the same thing in mind. It wasn't no SOS, which is smash on site. This was KOS. This is kill on site. I didn't want to do it, but I understood exactly what he was saying. And I wanted him to understand exactly what I was saying. Is that being a good parent? No. No. That's being a gangster. I put being a gangster before being a parent because I couldn't take my son talking to me like that in front of other people in his organization. So I let it be known what it was with me too. That's the life that you're talking about, joining. If that is the life that you're talking about joining, think again, this ain't nothing. But at the end of the day, I sat down and I talked to a couple of the guys and I told them what it was, right? I told them about the conversation that I just had. And I told them, look, man, hopefully he won't come this way. But deep down in my heart, I knew he would. I knew he would. And I told him, I said, look, I need you to understand perfectly what I'm about to say. If he comes this way, I'm not going to play with him. I don't want nobody messing with him. I don't want nobody doing nothing to him. If anything's going to be done to him, it's going to be me. And they understood what I meant. If my son comes in here and he crosses that line, off with his head. And I'm going to be the one to do it. I felt that it was on me to do it. I'm responsible for filling him with so much hate and anger that this can't end no other way except that him taking my life or me taking his. That's it. It's the only way this can end. I waited a few hours, called Keisha back later on that night. Me and her had the best conversation we've had in a long time. She told me that she was sorry. She heard what he said. And she asked me to forgive him because he was drunk and he was trying to show out in front of all of his vice lord friends. I just sat there and I listened to her. I didn't cry. I didn't sniffle. I didn't do any of that. But she said something to me that I hadn't heard in a long time. She told me that she loved me. In spite of all the things that I had done wrong, she still had love in her heart for me. And she wishes things would have been different. And I told her I do too. Told her I do too. I got off the phone, called my girlfriend, talked to her about what had happened. She was supportive like she always is. But at the end of the day, she knew where my mind was at. I was ready for war. It was just that on that with me. War with my own son. Because I knew it was coming. A storm was brewing. And it had to happen. But that's what this lifestyle will do to you. It'll have you thinking that you're doing the right thing because that's what the lifestyle dictates. You learn all of these things that reinforce this lifestyle, this ideology, and it makes sense to you. The, the, the literature makes it make sense. Think about that. You just learn something over and over and over, and you do it for so long, it makes sense to you, and you will have a conversation with somebody, and you'll use the things that you learn to make it make sense. But it's something inside of you that tells you that it's wrong. But you persist in it anyway. And that's what I would hope that you get. Instead of going with what they tell you, go with what you feel. You know it's wrong to hurt somebody else. So don't do it. You know it's wrong to sell drugs to somebody else. So don't do it. What is wrong with doing it the right way? That's the part that we're not doing today, Joe. That's the part that we need to be pushing. Go with what you feel, not what the pieces of paper, the literature on the paper say. That's the trick. That's the trick. I'm going to end that right here, y'all. I'm going to end that right here. We're going to have another episode coming up real soon, so be on the lookout for that. It'll be Rival 6 coming at you real soon. I hope you enjoyed this episode, you know what I'm saying, of Rivals. This is Rival 5, you know what I'm saying. And uh, at the end of the day, this has been another episode of Doing Time with Joe. I'm your host, Joe Baker, and I say peace, y'all. Hustling the banging, harder ain't smarter. Suck, yelling and arguing, made me carve you with a carbon. Humbling giants, 50 bananas going to find it. No IG beefing, street sweeping, I come with reapers. Fuck your people, fuck the judge. You wanna ride this, how you thug? I wake up, watch my face with blood, back to dancing in mud. I read the scripture with this phone nigga. Be damn if I get blamed by a whole nigga. And I see the whole picture, crossing from niggas who My life is sort of different. When it gets the grain, he gave me a heart of sinners. My heart was in it, so fuck it. Ain't nothing in this bitch that can humble me. Now, with this honey, you will think that I'm a honey.